it's not just about being kinder to the people you're working with and the people that are around you, but but it starts from inside, which I know sounds sounds so cheesy, but but given everything that's happened in the last two years, the need for empathy has really never been greater. Welcome to Mission Critical, a podcast about the big picture, the purpose, and the values that drive today's most game-changing companies, entrepreneurs, and leaders. I'm your host, Lance Chung, Editor-in-Chief of Bay Street Bull, and I'll be introducing you to a group of brilliant minds who are making an impact on the world and forging the path ahead. While they may all be very different from one another, the question remains the same. What's your mission? If you've walked through an airport or hotel lobby in the last few years, you may have noticed people using a very specific luggage brand, distinguished by its horizontal lines and array of different colorways. That brand is Away, and on today's episode, I'm joined by their co-founder and CEO, Jen Rubio. Away was founded in 2015 to fill a gap in the market for thoughtfully designed luggage. At the time, Jen and her co-founder raised $31 million in their seed round, making them one of the highest ever funded female-backed startups. In 2019, they raised $100 million, bringing the valuation of the company to a whopping $1.4 billion, effectively certifying themselves into a cohort of other unicorn startups. Throughout her career, Jen has become one of the foremost authorities on modern retail, using her business philosophies to help redefine exceptional travel standards. It's not an easy mission, especially following a time where traveling was viewed with perhaps more skepticism than ever before. But Jen and her company are helping to reignite the spirit of exploration and adventure. As the leader of her company, she's also had to navigate how to run a successful retail enterprise while being pregnant with her son, who was born right on the heels of her stepping into the CEO role. Months later, she's excelling at both the role of executive and mother, helping to break down archaic and misogynistic stigmas surrounding working parents. Today, Jen joins me to discuss the importance of a company's parental policies, advice for ambitious and career-driven parents, and how to be an empathetic leader. Enjoy. Hi, Jen. How are you? Hi, Lance. I'm great. It's so nice to see your face again. Um, It's been a little while since we chatted, I think, Collision 2019. I don't even remember when that was now, but it's been a while. Yes, yes, it has. But it's it's always great to talk to you. Yeah, so nice to be chatting. Um, so our teams were emailing back and forth earlier this year, and literally on the day that we were going to have our interview, you had a baby. How's mom life treating you? Yes, that was uh, that was back <laughs> in May, and yeah. um, it it's been a blur. Sometimes people ask me, you know, how is it going, and I'm not sure if they're asking about the baby or work or any of the number of other things that I've gotten myself involved with. So I'm, I'm as busy as ever. Um, but obviously it's, it's been a huge adjustment, you know, in the last, in the last six months we're we're kind of coming out of pandemic. Mm-hmm. I had a baby. Um, I became CEO of away. So it's a lot. Yeah. You've, you've been busy. I mean, like having a baby, I feel like just in any normal circumstances would be just a big life change, but doing that during a pandemic and also you know becoming a ceo of your company that's like next level and you've managed it well i mean you you're you're doing well you're doing okay so far ups and downs i'm sure yes yes definitely i mean i think i've learned i've learned a ton about myself i've learned a ton about 
how I actually want to take on the CEO role. Um, obviously, I've been, you know, I co-founded my company six years ago, and I've been in various leadership roles throughout, but this is the first time that I'm truly, you know, in the top post and accountable for the team um, and accountable for the vision. And I think if I had gone into this role before having a baby, my approach to it might have been a little different. So I think these two things happening kind of at the same time have really forced me to uh, to take a step back and reevaluate and plan in a way that I maybe wouldn't have if the timing was different. Yeah, and that's really what I want to focus on with our chat today is, you know, your experience being a new mom and how that really intersects with your POV and running a company and like really the the road ahead with that and how that's influenced your perspective there. But why don't we start with, you know, what what is the most surprising thing about motherhood that you didn't expect going into it? Or I'm sure there's a few things, but what's something that uh, has really kind of surprised you? I would say on a daily basis, I'm surprised either by how how much easier something is than I thought it would be or how much harder it was. So basically everything I expected is not what it is. Uh, <laughs> but sometimes I'm positively surprised and sometimes I'm, I'm, I'm a lot more challenged, but I think that's part of it. In a way, I'm kind of enjoying it because it's very similar to my startup experience. Uh, you know, this is my first child. I did not read any books about how to be a mother, didn't really take advice, uh, even though it gets offered to you in spades. Um, you know, I just, I'm just kind of going with it. And and obviously I have an incredible partner and our mothers have have flown in to help at, at different times. So, so there's a lot of support, but I think part of the excitement of the journey for it is like a startup, you can't plan for what your baby's going to be like, or, uh, you know, what he's going to do every day. And, and I think that's actually mentally prepared me a lot for how, how I'm going to raise him. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you had baby Oliver right on the heels of announcing that you were stepping into the CEO position at a way, which I definitely want to come back to in a little bit. Um, in a way you were welcoming, as you said, like a new child and raising your other child, i.e. your company at the same time. I mean, what has that experience been like in the first few months, just balancing the two? Have you really taken a step back to, uh, you know, obviously focus on being a new mother or have you kind of been surveying the company, you know, from afar, from a distance, just to kind of be involved because this is a new position as well? Yeah. So, so it's interesting because um, I was interim CEO before we announced that I would, I would be taking on the job for the longer term. And I think being in that interim role, but also having had the context of, you know, being the company's uh, co-founder, it put me in a position where for the first half of this year, my mission was to get the company through this transition of the CEO that we hired going to pursue another opportunity, me having to find somebody who I thought could really lead the company. Um, and in the meantime, holding it together for the team, but also keeping things moving forward. Like we're, we're still doing way too much to just hit pause on that. So I was in this like very interesting mindset, even before, before the decision, before the announcement, before having the baby of I kind of stuff in this like very motherly mode for, for the company, which was obviously very fitting. I think that when I did uh, take on the role, and I know we'll talk about it a, a little bit later, it was about two months before my due date. And I said, this is a great time 
to kind of work with the team, uh, set the stage for what my plan is going to be, but then really uh, leave them to run the business because it's important for me to take my maternity leave. Mm-hmm. Um, it has very generous parental leave policies, um, and I wanted to want to make sure to to take mine. You know, not just to set an example, but obviously because it'd be a really tough new thing to deal with, and I wanted to set aside that time for myself personally. But of course nothing ever goes as planned. And I actually went into labor a month early, which is when we were going to do our (laughs) interview. Um, And that is kind of just another, another example. You you really can't, can't plan for anything, but I think the um, just like mentally preparing the team for me being gone, even though that, that kicked off, you know, a month earlier than expected, I really felt very supported and also just very, very excited to come back. I think I mistakenly thought I'd be the kind of person who would go on mat leave, not check in, not not have calls with anyone. And I didn't schedule anything, but I definitely found myself, you know, texting my colleagues, asking what was going on, just like wanting updates here and there, because I think it's 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 hard to fully remove yourself from something that you really care about. Yeah, definitely. I recently spoke with Allison Felix, who's an Olympian who, you know, has been uh, a campaigned really fiercely for maternity policy reform after experiencing discrimination against her previous employer for ultimately, you know, being a mother. How has motherhood changed the way that you think about running a business specifically? Um, has it really put you into a different kind of headspace in terms of how you want to cultivate a business and a team and, and all that moving forward? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think one, it's important that two life-changing things happen before I, I stepped into this role. It was having a baby and the pandemic. And I think even just one of those things would radically change how a leader thinks about leading a company. I, I do think, you know, there is this kind of myth, especially in the startup world, that to be successful, the only thing you can think about is your business. And you're not allowed to be passionate or spend time on other things or be like deeply involved or, or vocal about anything else. And, you know, admittedly, that that is how I operated for at least the first few years of, of building away. And um, would it have turned out differently if I wasn't like that? Would it have grown maybe you know, not so quickly. I don't know, but I, I think it's important that um, it was important for me when when I took on the role uh, to not just say yes to being the one to to run the business, but to really think about what that means. Like, what do I want that role to look like? What kind of leader do I want to be now? And and really just like just force me to think about it. And I would say. I I always thought that I I led with empathy and understanding. There's definitely a deeper level of it, you know, coming out of leading a company through a pandemic and coming out of your mat leave to lead, lead a company. You know what it is? It's that there's now I place more of an emphasis on the work uh, that people are doing and the results that they're driving versus how and when they're doing it. Because I think more than ever, I see that that success and results, like if that's what you're focused on, it really doesn't matter if somebody has to um, 
take a couple hours off in the middle of the day to pick up their kids. Or if someone likes to really work, you know, to work really late at night or really early in the morning. And, and I think before there was such an emphasis on this is the one right way to work. Right. And I'm really happy to be moving away from that. Yeah, I mean, that's definitely a radical change that's happened as a result of the pandemic, for sure, because everyone's been working from home. And ultimately, yeah, we can't see work necessarily in a vacuum or as a silo because life happens. And you whether that's a pandemic or having a child or building your family, you know, ultimately, these things are going to intersect. And if there's a way where I think uh, and I, you know, I think we're noticing that a lot in work culture is if there's a way to integrate that holistically where we can balance well-being and everything else that life throws at you with building a company, then it just makes more sense and it's more sustainable and people are just happier and balanced. Yeah. And, and something I'm thinking about a lot lately is, you know, I've obviously changed a lot as, as a person and as a leader, and I'm, I'm maybe a lot more understanding of these situations than I was before. And, and to your point, I think a lot of people in the workplace are, especially because we all just collectively went through something unprecedented and we've all totally had to change the way we work. But I'm thinking a lot about how to turn that into, into more of a policy. And, and you know, I, I think it's hard to, to create policies that are like hard and fast, but I think the more you can ingrain it and teach it to your employees and, and really scale it with your org, the better. I, th I think it's, it's a little tough right now to, to explain, but, but if you can create, like, if you can shape your work policies around like having a better understanding of people's personal lives and obligations and, and knowing that all of that affects their work anyway, I think you end up with a happier team and just like a more a more balanced workplace. I'm just not 100% sure how we're gonna do that yet. What do you think, I mean, in the larger conversation, what do you think is missing when we have this dialogue around supporting moms in the workplace? Where do you think progress needs to be made or how do you think workplaces can better support moms in general? It's a great question. I think um, the first and mo most important thing is, is just taking a look at your policies and how flexible they are. So I mentioned that OA has a very generous and flexible paid parental leave for all new parents. So not just moms, right. uh, we're equally supportive of dads and adoptive parents too. And, and I think it's really important if you're in a position where you can't impact these things that you do, because um, you know, in the US only you know 20% or so of US workers have access to paid family leave. And this is one of the wealthiest countries in the world. And we don't have any, any federally mandated uh, paid family leave, even though that in half of, of two parent families, both parents work. So I, I think what this does in, in the long run is, is it deeply impacts, um, you know, how women grow in, in their careers, the choices that they have to make that are placed, you know, sometimes on them, but not on, on the father. And I think people making these policies in, in workplaces have a real responsibility because we don't have that federal mandate to create those policies themselves. I also think leaders um, should really lead by, ex by example. So, you know, take your leave, like be visible about it, make yeah. 
let your team know how you're balancing the needs of your personal life with that of the business. You know, I just mentioned an example about picking your kids up in the middle of the day. That's actually, you know, my CFO, who is such like an incredibly hard and smart worker and, and has an incredible work ethic. She makes it very clear to us that this is a very important part of her day um, and blocks out the time and we are not to schedule meetings uh, during that time. And I, and I really respect that because, mm -hmm. you know, she, she's like an absolute star and, and you, and she totally helps me run the business. So who am I to say that she can't do that? So I, I think that goes back to managers letting results speak for themselves and, and being more results oriented versus trying to dictate the way that people do work. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And then, and then I think obviously in the long term, uh, what's important for long lasting change is just increased visibility of women in positions of leadership. Like I'm obviously really grateful to be having this conversation with you um, and talking about this on your platform, because I think the more of this that there is, the more it starts to become normalized and it doesn't, um, it's, it's not such a crazy thing. And, and, you know, I told an acquaintance, I was taking on the CEO role. And the first thing he said back to me was, but you're about to have a baby. And this is someone, you know, who's known me, known me or, or been in my circle for a long time. And, and we still have to reframe that thinking even then, even with someone that I have a relationship with. So there's definitely uh, implications towards uh, motherhood and, and life changes that we need to evolve in, in order to improve things for everyone. Yeah. I mean, just building on that, you know, a lot of times the conversation around motherhood and working moms has been very one-sided and placed the responsibility or the, the burden of moving the conversation forward on women. How has, you know, your husband, who's also the head of his own company supported you and also just helped manage the experience or navigate the experience? You know, obviously my husband and I are in a, in a very unique position where we're, we're both CEOs of very valuable companies. <laughs> I think this is this is a great example. So we we both took parental leave a few months into my leave. I was in a very different mental state than I was, you know, right after we had the baby. And I said to him, I really miss work. This is a really pivotal time for the company. And I had planned to take a bit of a longer leave, but there's some things that I want to jump back into and get involved in. And we had a talk about me going back from my leave early and him um, extending his leave. And I just think that's just such a powerful example of, of finding that balance at home and in the workplace and the responsibility not just being on me. Um, you know, because our baby was a preemie, he needed a lot of attention and one of us needed to, to not be working during that time. And, and we had the conversation um, and decided that he would extend his leave. So I think that was, that to me was just such like an incredible example of how parental leave policies need to be equal. And, and you know, yeah. partners need to be afforded the same policies and allowances that, that mothers have because we need that support. Yeah. And I guess it's, you know, two sides of the same coin in that ultimately it's a conversation that, you know, comes back to misogyny and you know if parental leave isn't isn't granted to both parents to dads and moms then the burden often falls on women and then prevents them from advancing in their careers and then that also doesn't help on the other side feeding into this kind of culture of toxic masculinity where you know you have these stereotypical 
roles of what men should do and what women should do. And it was interesting because, you know, we're working on a story about paternal leave and the stigma around it in the kind of culture that we're in today in 2021 and, and how some people, you know, they've talked about how they know this one colleague uh, and they work on like the trading floor and they have this one colleague that took Pat leave like five, 10 years ago and still made fun of it and fun for it. And so like, you know, it all kind of comes back to the same bigger conversation around misogyny and, and the way that we treat each other and, and all these kind of stereotypes around men and women in the workplace. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and I think, again, that visibility is important. Like, I think it was very important for my husband as CEO of Slack to, to take his leave to tell people to be vocal about it so that people in more junior roles within his organization know that not only is it okay, but it's encouraged and 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 you should uh you should take it and take on um the responsibilities at home. I think, you know, also something that has been really alarming, I think the amount of women who due to the pandemic um had to leave their jobs yeah you know because your know, children were at home they, they weren't going to school there were there were child care issues and the default answer was for the woman to pause what she was doing and handle that so i think it's like it's very very deeply ingrained obviously in our society and our culture so the more i think the more examples of successful people doing it the better what are some misconceptions around motherhood and entrepreneurship that you think need to be dismantled based on your experience so far? I mean, like we're kind of like going in and out of this, but like what are just some big misconceptions around the two? I would say, I mean, for both motherhood and entrepreneurship, that I, I feel like when people talk about doing both, and and it's great, a lot of people, you know, are, are starting to talk more about it. They talk about compartmentalizing everything very neatly. So you have your work time, you have your mom time, maybe you go back to work time after, you know, when the babies sleep. And, and I think it fed into this idea that I had for myself that I would be able to, to plan my days. And within those certain times, I would be able to only think about the thing I was supposed to be thinking about. And I think honestly, it was very, very hard for me in the beginning because my son being premature spent a few weeks in the NICU and a lot of the time the NICU, which by the way, is one of the hardest places to be ever. It was like one of the hardest things I've ever gone through. Mm -hmm. But a lot of the time you're just sitting in the room and your newborn is sleeping. There's just like machines beeping and, and there's nothing to do. You're just sad and you're kind of sitting there. So I would find myself, you know, checking into work because that's something that like makes me happy and gives me energy. And, and I, and I want to know what was going on there, but as I was doing it, I felt the sense of guilt. Like, should I, is, is it terrible that I'm checking my work email when I'm right. in the like, I don't, you know, no one's making me do it. I'm just, I'm, I'm doing it on my own choice. You know, there was during my like a big, a big meeting we had the other day, I just kept, I was like hearing noises upstairs. So I kept checking the baby monitor on my phone. And I was like, am I a bad CEO that I'm not a hundred percent here and present because I, you know, I really want to see what's going on, on the baby monitor. And I feel like women in general are so hard on themselves about that. It's like, if I'm in a work meeting, obviously you should try to be present. Obviously you should try to be focused, but it doesn't make you a bad person if there's other things in your life pulling you in a different direction and, and vice versa. There are times when it's like bath time, but 
I'm trying to do it really quickly because, because I want to get back to something I'm doing for work. So, you know, to answer your question, the big misconception is that, you know, people are like, you can do both, but they talk about doing both separately. And it really like, it's one life. There's only a certain number of minutes in a day. And, and in a single minute, you could be thinking about multiple things. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, all these things cross over and, and it, like we said, it life happens, you know, yeah. you can't compartmentalize life. So how would you like to, you know, redefine motherhood or add to how we understand and define it today uh, for yourself and for anyone that's really trying to, is, is about to, or is navigating the same, the same road? Yeah, I think, um, you know, this is less about motherhood, but, but more about women understanding what their choices are and understanding it's a mix of like understanding your body and understanding your, your career. Um, I'm really, really uh, excited to see numerous new companies pop up that are about, uh, you know, women's health, fertility, getting a better sense of, of what that looks like for each person. I think that, you know, talk about freezing your eggs or waiting to get pregnant. It, it was so taboo for so long. And now we're, we're coming out of that. And there, there's so many more resources out there to help women. But I, you know, I think, you know, long before I became a mother, you know, I start, I started away when I was 27 and I knew that it was going to be a lot of years of hard work. So, um, and I knew that I wanted to take those first few years of starting a company and really really dig in and so to only to only think about that so i made a conscious decision to delay motherhood and i i didn't know what my options were and then we get to the doctor they kind of tell you like here's how much time you have and how many eggs and this and that and you're like wait i should have i should have been thinking about this 10 years ago mm. um so so by the time a lot of women get to that point of like the decision making they're a lot of times the message is, you know, you should have had this conversation years earlier. So I'm really enlightened that that's happening because I, I also see how much that helps women in the workplace. You know, even a lot of people on my team, I think them knowing their options, them being able to make clear decisions based on real information and based on how they want to prioritize their lives. You know, like I, I think we're, we're so lucky to have all of this now. And, and now as a woman, if you, if you work for a company that, that supports you in this, you can be a mother and take leave and not have it affect your career. But also if you want to delay it a lot, there's a lot of workplaces now that support fertility decisions. So, so all of that is very exciting to me. mentioned earlier in this interview that Oliver's taught you a lot. So what, what are, what has he taught you about yourself? He's taught me patience. <laughs> yeah. And it's funny because, you know, I say that, and obviously I've had to be very patient with a now four month old baby, but it, it's also given me a lot of patience in the workplace. Like I think I went from like a, a very long stretch of just like a hustle mentality, things, not just 
they don't just have to get done, but they have to get done really quickly and they have to get done really well. And I think I put a lot of pressure on myself and on a lot of my team to do that. And now it's more of, um, I have a lot of perspective on like what actually needs to get done right now, what can wait and, and what should wait that just because it, it looks exciting or it, it feels like it could be great for the business, it doesn't necessarily have to happen right now. And, and I think that perspective is something that, um, that he taught me. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's awesome. Um, I want to talk about your new role as well. So, you know, you're now the CEO and initially you didn't really want the position or your board convinced you to, and your board convinced you to do it. Why didn't you want to take the position initially? So it's not that I didn't want to take on the CEO role, but it's that I was already operating under this narrative of, of moving on from the business. So when we started the business, we knew that one day we wanted it to be really big and to get ready to one day be a public company. A big step that we took in doing that was, was to hire um, you know, a quote unquote professional CEO, someone who had worked in public companies before could help guide us down that path. And for me, I was in this mindset of, you know, I love like the beginnings of a startup, like the building from scratch. And I'm not really, I had it in my head. I'm like, I'm not really this big company person. So this is a perfect time for me to think about what could be next, especially as we, as we bring in new leadership. So it's not that I didn't want it, but I had already, um, I guess, kind of made that decision and made that a while back and had taken the steps toward that that plan. But obviously when that plan changed, uh, this opportunity was right in front of me. And I think because I had operated for so long under the assumption that I, it was my time to move on, that I wasn't meant to be in a company of this size. That's, that's what took a little convincing. It, it took the board telling me that, that yes, I'm the right person to lead the company at this time. And part of what's really exciting about it is that all of the things I loved in the beginning, the the building, the the trying out new things, like because we're coming out of a pandemic and because we're focusing on recovery, we're having to do a lot of that right now, which which I think is like a very exciting challenge for me. And and it really feels like a privilege to be the the person to be able to take the company through this time. Yeah. And uh, what do you hope to accomplish in the new position? What's, What's on the road ahead? I mean, so much. I think there one, obviously, that getting through bouncing back from the pandemic is a huge priority. Thinking about what that means for the team culturally, we're all still uh, remote. We'll be moving into a kind of hybrid model uh, that that's dependent on on your job requirements, you know, of being in the office. Um, but it's still really important for me to build a culture that that people are proud to be a part of that's super collaborative. Um, and we're still trying to figure out how to do that um, because we're not all in one place. So I think those are the immediate challenges. I think um, I'm just really excited because in a lot of ways, it feels like a new beginning for the brand. In the last two years, there's been so much in terms of, you know, obviously COVID, leadership changes, um, just a lot of really difficult decisions, um, you know, the business pretty much coming to a standstill at the beginning of the pandemic. So, so I think when you go through so much, it can be a little scary to like pick up the momentum again. But for me, this is like, we're, we're 
fully back on track to, to building this like beloved brand they'll be around for a really long time. So, so that's exciting to me. And, and in that way, it feels very much like the early stages. Right. Right. What does empathy mean to you and how is that really manifested during the last two to three years? How is that going to inform um, the next two to three years, the next 10 years, uh, you know, however long the road ahead is like, what, how is that informing the road ahead for you? The more in tune you are with yourself, emotionally, like the more empathetic um, you can be. And, and I think I've just learned to be like so much more generous and forgiving with myself. And in turn, like I can give that to others. And I, I, that it took a while for me to realize that, like, I didn't realize that when I was being hard on myself and setting high standards for myself and, and a lot of times beating myself up, uh, you know, for, for maybe not doing something as well as I wanted to, I didn't realize how much of that was coming off to other people. You know, I, I thought it was, it was something internal and, and it very much, uh, you know, m- maybe spread to interactions with other people. So I think just like, it's not just about being kinder to the people you're working with and the people that are around you, but, but it starts from inside, which I know sounds Sounds so cheesy, but but given everything that's happened in the last two years, the need for empathy has really never been greater. Yeah, absolutely. I want to finish off the our chat uh, with a quick round of a this or that kind of rapid fire, like you know, just uh, option A or option B before we finish off with our last big question. How's that sound? Sounds good. Okay. Uh, first thing you do in the morning. Brush my teeth. last thing you do before bed i always fall asleep on my phone is that terrible (laughs) i i also do the same thing (laughs) productivity hack um the i set uh timers for my phone for every 20 minutes so that i can i can do like little focus bursts of work and and then look up and i think that that has really helped with my distraction right that's is that the pomodoro Technique yes. or something so much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, okay. Favorite trip you've ever been on? Um, I wouldn't say it's the favorite trip I've ever been on, but because it was so long since I traveled, uh, we just went to Italy with the baby mm-hmm. and with with our friends who have a baby the same age. And it was just such an amazing time. Like everyone, it seemed like everyone was there. Yeah. Um, and, and it'd been, you know, over a year since we left the country. So that was very exciting. Next trip you want to take? Next trip I want to take, um, for fun, for fun. <laughs> yes. I would love to go to South Africa. Ooh, where in South Africa? I mean, Cape town is so beautiful. And then, um, you can drive around from there, spend a couple of days doing a safari, but, um, my husband has never been, and, and it's been about a decade since I've been, and um, it's just such an incredible place. Beautiful. Uh, travel must have? You know. Besides right. away luggage. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, I can't, I can't say. You know, th- this is a product that we do make, but I cannot live without packing cubes. I, okay. I have turned into a very OCD packer and can't live without packing cubes. Yeah. Uh, road trip or air travel? Now road trip. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And this, this is coming from someone who ha- who's, you know, a couple million Delta points. <laughs> right, right, right. Uh, mountain escape or beach getaway? Mountains. 
mountains. I'm also a mountain person too. Guilty pleasure. Reality TV, which I did not watch until the pandemic. <laughs> which show? Bachelor in Paradise. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Um, well, sticking with the travel theme, I do really enjoy Below Deck. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, biggest role model? It's between Serena Williams and my husband. So they can fight it out. <laughs> Very good. Uh, last one. Busy or Lenny? No. <laughs> okay, I'm not going to make, I'm not going to make you do that. Um, Busy. Okay. <laughs> Uh, okay, last question. What is your mission? What's your purpose at the end of the day? What guides the decisions you make in your personal and your work life? What's what's your mission? I would say my mission every day is to, I, I think some days are, are great and some days are so hard, but, but at the end of every day, before I fall asleep on my phone, um, I want to be able to say I'm proud of the way I made decisions, even if they were really hard. And, and I think everything I'm doing just requires so many tough conversations, hard decisions. There's not a lot of clear answers, but I, mm. I want to be proud of, of how I made those decisions. Yeah. Well, that is a great way to end our chat. Thank you so much for taking the time to, to speak with us. Um, I'm so glad to be chatting again. And um, hopefully we'll see you in Toronto soon. Or maybe we'll meet up in Banff or somewhere else, BC. Um, yeah, I'll probably get to Canada before I get to South Africa. So yeah, yeah, I hope so. But thank you again so much. And it was nice to catch up. And um, I hope uh, we get to chat again soon. Great. Thanks, Lance. There is a big conversation happening right now around the restructuring of the boardroom. As companies work towards more inclusive corporate mandates and understanding the importance of empathetic leadership, parental policies have never had a light shone on them quite as bright as they are now, especially in light of the pandemic. As a mother herself leading one of the world's most exciting lifestyle brands, Jen is trying to master her own definition of work-life balance and in doing so, is helping to redefine what it means to lead a modern and thoughtful business from the inside out. If you enjoyed this episode, we'd appreciate it if you left a review on Apple Podcasts so we can get the word out. To keep up to date, subscribe to our podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen to podcasts. Thanks for tuning in. Until next time, ask yourself, what's your mission?